Are you ready for the word today? Amen. Let's go to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse number 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go, for I am sending you to the house of Jesse, where I have provided myself a king among the brethren. Can we bow our hearts and let's ask the Lord's blessing. Father, we ask you to bless us today as you um, open the word to us. Let your word go forth in power. Let your word go forth in boldness. Let everything that's said, let everything that's done bring you the glory today. We pray that, um, that all of us would hear your word, understand your word, and it would bring much fruit. And everyone shouted amen. And this morning I want to preach on the thought, this is not what I expected. Look to your neighbor and tell, tell you, this is not what I expected. This is not what I expected. 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. This is not what I expected. This is not what I expected. You know, it appears, and I could be wrong, but it does appear that uh, we, we live in a world where people are overworked, underpaid, people are, I heard an amen to that, I, people are frustrated, people are in a hurry, I mean it seems like we're filling up planners, and we're going here and going there, but yet we're ending up nowhere, we're quoting the scriptures and yet we seem like we're still defeated, we say we're healed and yet we're still sick. We attend church, we hear sermons, we have churches on every street corner in America. People are still depressed and frustrated and aggravated. And it seems like there's something wrong. It's like Song of Solomon said, it's like the little foxes that spoil the vine. Sometimes it's not the big things, sometimes it's the little things. How many would agree with the preacher that it's a combination of little things that sometimes get to us? And we, we live in a frustrated generation. One thing I learned about frustration is that frustration is a result of failed expectations. And when things don't go the way we anticipate, when things don't go the way that we have expected, we become frustrated. Frustration is a result of failed expectations. We live in a society of frustrated people, live in a society of angry, upset, frantic, exhausted, overworked, you name it, we live in a society full of tension, a society full of pressure. How many would raise your hand and say that's true? Remember what the book of Revelation said, that the serpent is called the old dragon, and the Bible says that John said that the Bible, or the Bible says that, that the old dragon was a symbol of, uh, of the enemy who wears out the saints. And that's, if the enemy can't get you one way, I promise you, he'll try to get you another way. He is here to steal, kill, and destroy. We are engaged in a spiritual warfare. And it seems like it's getting worse as we approach the coming of the Lord. And sometimes you would agree with me that life is not what we expect it to be. Somebody said that life is like a merry-go-round. Sometimes we're up, sometimes we're down, and sometimes we go round and round. Sometimes life is not what we anticipate, and sometimes it's not what we expect. And I'm reminded of the story, the passage that I just read to you, 
in 1 Samuel chapter 16, I'm going to just tell you very briefly what's happening here. Israel, which is God's nation, God's people, they wanted a king. They wanted a king like everybody else. Everybody else around them, all the other neighboring nations had kings. The nation of Israel wanted to be like other nations. They wanted a king. And so guess what happened? They cried out for a king, and guess what happened? God granted their request. God gave them a king. That wasn't God's plan. It wasn't God's purpose. God didn't want them to have a king. He wanted to be their king. But they wanted it really bad, and so God granted it to them. And let me stop and say this and say it loud and clear, that just because you want something real bad doesn't mean it's God. Can I hear an amen? Just because you want it real bad doesn't mean it's God. And we have a tendency as believers that if we want something real bad, we'll go through the Rolodex of our mind and try to figure out theologically how this is appropriate. But just because you want it real bad doesn't mean it's God's will. And the people of God, the children of Israel, the nation of Israel wanted a king really bad. So God gave it to him. But you know what happened? It didn't turn out what they expected. Saul, who was the first king of Israel, was not the man they anticipated him to be. He was not the man they expected him to be. He was a man full of insecurities, deep insecurities. He's a man full of jealousy. You read how he was so jealous over David. At many times, he tried to kill David. He was jealous over David. He was jealous over David's potential. And Saul's life came to an end because he committed suicide. So it didn't turn out what they thought he should have been. The king of Israel went down as a zero. He wasn't a hero. And so it wasn't what they expected. They wanted a king. God gave a king to them. But yet it wasn't what they expected. Saul wasn't the man they thought he should have been. He wasn't the man of God that they needed. He wasn't the leader that they needed. Oh yes, he was blessed with good looks. The scripture says he was taller than anyone else in Israel. He was very blessed with good looks and talent, but he didn't have the character. And anytime God elevates somebody to leadership, there are three things that you need in your life. You need character. Because character will take you much further than your gifts will ever take you. You have to have competency. You've got to know how to do the job. And number three, you've got to have chemistry. You've got to know how to work with people. So you've got to have character, you've got to have competency, and you've got to have chemistry. You've got to learn how to work with people. That's chemistry. You've got to have competency. You've got to know how to do the job. And you've got to have character because character is more important than talent. And Saul didn't know how to work with people. He didn't have character. He wasn't the man they thought he should have been. It's not what they expected. And so here in 1 Samuel 16, verse number 1, a prophet by the name of Samuel was mourning over the king. Now, you can imagine how the prophet is feeling. The prophet is devastated. Here is the king of Israel. He committed suicide. He didn't leave a good legacy. This is not, this is not how it should have been. So Samuel is mourning over what could have been. And God came to Samuel and said, Samuel, let's wake up here. Samuel, get up. Let's quit mourning over Saul because I got another plan. I want you to go down to the house of Jesse and I, I, there's somebody else I have for a king. I want you to leave behind Saul and I want you to go forth to the person that I have chosen, which is David. And ladies and gentlemen, I know this deals with the children of Israel. This deals with the nation of Israel. 
But in order for this to be applicable to our life, then we've got to understand that as we progress with God, there are some things that we need to leave behind. There are some Saul's that we need to leave behind. God has David's before us. In other words, God has a new plan for us. He has a new adventure for us. He has a new chapter for us. He has a new David for us. But sometimes we want to live and mourn over Saul. We want to stay in the past and we want to mourn over what could have been. We want to stay in the past and mourn over it. I have met people, I've met hundreds of people that I've counseled in my pastoral ministry how they cannot get over the past, how they've, they're stuck in the past. They keep reminiscing over what God could have done in their life if they would have went to school, if they, if they didn't have the affair, if they didn't say that, if they didn't do that, what God could have done. And they are trapped by the saws of their life that they cannot move forward and see the David that God has in front of them. You see, in order for you to progress in God, you've got to leave behind the past. You've got to leave behind Saul, and you've got to move forward to David. Yes, it's not what you expected it to be. Sometimes life don't turn out what you anticipate it to be. But you still got to change your perspective and know that even though it didn't turn out the way it should have been, God still has another chapter for you to write. God still has another book in, with your name in it, but it's not over. Can I hear an amen? Failure is not fatal. And you got to tell yourself that. Failure is not fatal. Failure is not final. You see, there is another chapter to be written. And I am encouraging you this morning that you have to find your identity in Christ. You can't find your identity in what you expected. You can't find your identity in what you thought it should have been. Some of us, our identity crumbles when our life don't turn out the way we think it should have turned out. We crumble because our identity is so invested in what we thought it should have been. You see, three things, there's three different types of people. The first type of people, some people find their identity in what they do. They, they find their identity in what they do. I am what I do. That's performance. Some people find their identity in what they have. That's possessions. And some people find their identity in what other people think, and that's popularity. And you see, if you base your life upon performance, and you base your life upon possessions and popularity, you will get nowhere in life. You will get nowhere in life. You've got to find a deeper level of security in your life instead of positions and prosperity and possessions and popularity. You've got to move beyond that to something deeper. You see, you've got to move beyond the superficial to something deeper. You see, and so Saul, Saul was a man of performance. He was a man uh, full of possessions and popularity. I mean, do you remember the story of Saul got so jealous that people celebrated David in the streets. You know, Saul killed his thousands, but David kills his ten thousands. And, and so he, he became very jealous over David. You see, he, 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 his, he was, his, his identity was based on his popularity. It, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You have to find your identity in something more than popularity, possessions, and performance. And so I want you to see this morning that if you're going to progress in God, if you're going to walk with God, there are certain things that you've got to do to move on. You see, I'm going to encourage you. I'm a coach this morning. I'm a, I'm a coach. I'm not just a preacher. I'm a coach. And I am pushing you to go forward in Christ. You remember what Paul said? Paul said, I have left behind and I am pressing forward to the mark 
of the prize of the high calling of God. Paul said, I press towards the mark of the prize. Sometimes we want to get to the prize, and yet we haven't got to the mark. You've got to get to a mark before you get to the prize. What mark is God trying to do in your life? What is He trying to do? Don't try to read all the Bible when you just need to read a chapter of the Bible. Let's just get to a mark. Don't try to be perfect in everything. Just, let's, just get, let's just kill a lion and a bear first before David killed the Goliath. You see, David understood the principle of marking before the prize. He killed the bear and the lion first before he ever went to King Saul and said, Give me Goliath. Let's start with the mark before you get to the prize. And you see, ladies and gentlemen, there are certain things that you've got to do to move forward in Christ. You see, in the economy of God, it is not perfection that matters. It is progress that matters. And I am convinced that the greatest testimony that any man or woman of God could ever have is not that they preached around the world, and that's good. It's not that they went on a missions trip, and that's good. It's not that they fed the hungry, and that's good. But the greatest testimony that anybody could ever have is that they remain faithful to God for decades. And I am asking this church a question this morning. Do you have what it takes to remain faithful to God for decades? Do you have what it takes to remain steadfast and have a spirit that endures hardship and obstacles and oppositions for decades? Are you a person that is tossed by the winds and the waves of life? Are you a person that is choked by the weeds of life? Are you a person that's up and down? Or are you a person that has a steadfast spirit within you? That you have a resolved spirit in you? That you have a made up mind in you? You got a made up spirit on the inside of you that it doesn't matter how the boat rocks back and forth. It doesn't matter what people say or do or come or go. I have made a decision. I have made up my mind. I have made up my spirit. I have made up my soul that I am steadfast in the Lord. I am unmovable because Christ is my rock and I'm building my life up on the rock. I'm not building my life up on the sand because it sinks. I'm building my life up on the rock because no matter what happens, I have a for sure foundation. Is there anybody that can wave your hand and say, I want to be a steadfast, unmovable Christian? I want to be a steadfast Christian. I want to be somebody that's unmovable. I want to be all in. I want to be 100% in. I want to be all in my body. I want my body to be in. I want my soul to be in. I want my spirit to be in. When I signed up to serve the Lord, I didn't sign up to do it half-heartedly. I didn't sign up to do it 50%. When I signed up to do it for the Lord, I meant to do it all the way. There is no such words of backsliding in my vocabulary. There is no words of giving up in my vocabulary. When I signed up for the Lord, I meant I meant what I said, and I said what I meant. I'm going to make it all the way because greater is He that's in me than he that is in the world. And sometimes it's not what you expect. It's not what you expect. But number one, if you're going to keep moving forward in the Lord, number one, you've got to learn that you've got to move on. Even when you don't have closure in things that you thought you should have closure, closure in. Number one, 
you must learn to move on without closure in certain areas of your life. You see, some people don't want to move on in God. They want to mourn over Saul. They want to stay in the past. They want to mourn over what could have been. They don't want to move forward in God because they want closure in certain areas. They're waiting for someone to apologize to them. They're waiting for someone to come to them and say, I'm sorry, I did you wrong. They're waiting for somebody to come to them and make it right. They're waiting for somebody to bring closure. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to this preacher this morning. I promise you, if you're going to progress in God, you're not always going to have closure in every season of your life. Not everybody's going to apologize. Not everybody's going to make things right. Not everybody's going to explain everything. But if you're going to progress in God and leave behind Saul and quit mourning over Saul and move forward in your relationship with Christ, you've got to learn that there are certain things you're not going to get closure about. You're not going to understand everything. You're not going to be able to connect the dots. You're not going to be able to understand why this person did this to me or why that happened this way. You're not going to understand it. You've got to resolve in yourself that closure does not happen all the time. And if God wanted me to have closure, He would have made sure I have closure. And if I don't have closure, my responsibility is to make sure I move forward and not live in the past. Is there anybody in the building that you're tired of living with Saul, you're tired of living in the past, and you want to move forward because you know David is better than Saul. My future is better than my past. Can I hear an Amen. My future is better than my past. You see, your future is calling you. But some of us are stuck with Saul. We're stuck. We, we, we don't want to move forward because we're looking for closure. In Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I stretch my hands forth to you. Be released from the past. Be released from the past. Be released from Saul. Be released for the need to have closure. Be released from it and be free in Jesus' name. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. I just sense the Spirit. Can we just stand to our feet and just take two minutes and just praise God that we're moving forward and we're getting out of the past. Come on, somebody, just praise God today. Come on and praise God today. Be released from the past. Be released from Saul. Be released from it. You will not get closure about everything. Listen to this preacher. By the Spirit of God, quit waiting for someone to come and bring closure about it. You're, you're, you're missing years and time. You're missing precious moments that God could be doing something great in your life because you're sitting around waiting for closure. It's not what you expected. Saul was not what they expected. David didn't wonder. David didn't wonder, didn't wait around for closure when he was anointed. God's purpose was to elevate him as king eventually. And he had to move on no matter what happened. Saul was jealous over him. You've got to learn to move on 
because of closure. Amen. Praise God. Amen. And I don't, I don't mean to be super spiritual. Who, who would just get out of your seat right now and say, Pastor, you're preaching to me, I need closure. Who would just get out of your seat right now? Is there anybody that get out of your seat and just admit, I need closure on something? I just sense the Spirit. And I don't mean to do this. I'm preaching and here I just... Is, is this alright with you all? Could we just stand for a moment? Who right now say, I need closure. I need the Holy Spirit to bring closure right now. Just get out of your seat. The Spirit, I, I hear the Spirit saying, He wants to break it off of you right now. He wants to break it off of you right now. Come here and stand right here. For the Spirit would say unto you that I have anointed you and I have called you. And yes, it's not what you anticipated and it is not what you expected. But the Lord says that what I am doing in you is much greater than whatever could happen to you. For my plan is to do something inside of you, says the Lord. My plan is to bring you deeper, says the Lord. My plan is to bring you deeper so that I could take you higher. So I'm taking you on a trip to take you deeper, says the Lord. And then when I am done, says the Lord, it will be more than you could ever anticipate. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. Amen. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. I prophesy, decree, declare that the spirit of the enemy that would put you in your past, I break it off of your life. And some of you don't understand what I'm doing, but I, I'm praying over you that we are released from the need of closure in our life. We are moving forward for the kingdom of God. Amen. 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 Mm. Hallelujah. I, the Lord spoke to me. I said to the Lord, my, you know, my mom died almost three years ago of cancer. She, it was a bad situation. She was in a drug-infested home. I mean, it was, it was bad. And I wanted to be there when she died. And so I got up that morning, that Monday morning, got a phone call that my mom was sick. And I talked to her all week. Uh, every day over the phone I talked to her. And she sounded fine. And I said to her, I'll be home after my Christmas service. So I talked to her on Monday. I said, if I can stay home for a week, on Sunday after church, I'll go home and see you and spend as much time I need to be with you. And I thought that I had that time. Monday when I got up, that's what I said to my mom. But the Spirit said to go home. I got up Tuesday and the Spirit said, go home. I went to church Wednesday and I, I remember preaching that night and I think I, I, just, I should have just went home. My mom died Thursday after, Friday afternoon. So I, did, I couldn't even get there. got in the car. I'm trying to rush there. I got stuck in a traffic jam in St. Louis for eight hours. Couldn't even get home. She passed away. They put the phone up to her. She couldn't hear me, but I was saying what I could say in the last moments of her, her life. Now, why am I saying that? Because for two years, I struggled over a mind battle. All I wanted from the Lord was to let me be there to say goodbye. Because nobody was there. I wanted to be there. Nobody was there for her. I wanted to be there. I wanted to say goodbye. She died alone. And I couldn't get closure over it. I just, I just wanted to say, why God? I've served you all my... I just, all I asked was just to say goodbye. That's all I wanted to do. That's it. 
I didn't, we've already talked everything out. I just wanted to say goodbye, make sure. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you're never going to progress because your personality is you want to figure everything out and have everything detailed and everything written out. You want to have everything. He said, he said you're going to have to come to a place that you're going to have to, have clo- you're going to, have to let it go and just move on with me. Can I hear an amen? And because the Spirit rebuked me and said, it's a spirit of entitlement. I'm entitled to be there. And the Lord rebuked me. And I said, Lord, I'm just thankful that I had time on the phone, and I'm thankful that I had time three months before she died that I was there, and I said my goodbyes, and I let go of it. Let me tell you something. It's great freedom to let things go. (laughs) And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you can't figure it out, folks. You're not going to get closure about everything. And you're going to be be in a prison of closure if you just don't release it and let it go. Now, I don't usually do this while I'm preaching, have an altar service, but let's just do it anyway. Is that all right? Stretch your hands forth to these people. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that, Father, that these people who have raised their hand and come forward, I, I stretch my hands over them, and I'm asking you that they would feel the peace of God, that they would have closure in the details of their life, the stuff that they wrestled with, In the name of your son, Jesus, let freedom happen in their soul and we release it in the name of Jesus Christ. And the church said, and the church said, and the church said, amen. Can we take two minutes and just praise God right now? Come on, let's just praise God right now. Come on, put your hands together and praise God. We, you may be seated, we've got to learn to move forward even when there is no closure we got to learn to move forward. Number two, we've got to learn to move forward even when we don't have the details. We've got to learn to move forward even when we don't have the details. The details. You see, the Bible says that I want you to, Samuel, I want you to go down to the house of Jesse. And I want you to anoint. I want you to get your oil ready. And I want you to anoint them. I want you to pick. There's somebody I'm going to have you to pick. And so Samuel didn't have the details. Samuel didn't have the details like, oh, I, I need to go pick the redheaded boy with the freckles. No. All God said was, go down to the house of Jesse and I'm going to provide for you someone among the sons. He didn't have all the details. He had to move without the details. And, and I'm saying to you, ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to progress in God, you've got to move without the details. You're not going to have all the details. Samuel didn't have all the details. All Samuel could have done was just be obedient, go to the house of Jesse, and when he got there, the Lord was going to reveal to him who to anoint as the next king. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to progress in God, you've got to get over the closure issue. But number two, you've got to understand you can't have all the details. You've got to walk by faith. When you cannot trace him, you've got to trust him. He's trustworthy. You've got to trust what he says. It may not make sense. It may not be what you expect. But you've got to trust him. That's what we call faith. You're not going to have all the details. Listen, I want to make sure I remind you of something that's very, very important. God is not in this thing to fulfill your dreams. God is not in this thing to make you happy. God is in this thing to make you holy. All right? He's not in this thing to make you happy. He is in this thing to make you holy. All right? And so he's not in it to fulfill all your dreams. That is why we get disappointed. 
because God's not in it to make sure all your dreams come true. All right? He's in it for an eternal purpose. He's in it to mold you and make you into the image of Christ. That's what he's in it for. You are called to be a worshiper, a follower of Christ with an obedient heart. And some of your dreams won't come to pass, but you are called to be a disciple. You're called to be a believer. You're called to devote yourself to Christ. And I promise you, he's not a debtor to any man. And it always turns out better than what you could ever have dreamed in the end. Can I hear an amen? So what I want you to see is you're not going to have all the details. You're not going to have all the details. Number three, I want you to see that God uses imperfect people, but God will not use people He cannot trust. He will not use people He cannot trust. Now listen, get this. Saul was a person that you couldn't trust. Saul was a man with deep insecurities and jealousies. You can't trust him. He had an evil eye on David. He wanted to kill David and tried to kill David. You can't trust Saul. But guess what? David was imperfect. But you could trust David. See, God uses people who are imperfect. You see, if you're waiting to be perfect, you're never going to be used of God. God uses imperfect people. Why does God use imperfect people? So that His glory may be demonstrated. So that His power may be demonstrated. That He would get the glory and He would get the honor in what He does in your life. You see, now get this. David was a man after God's own heart. The Bible did not say that David had God's heart. The Bible says David was a man after God's heart. You see, there are times and situations in our life that we're going to mess up. We're not going to have the heart of God. But that doesn't mean you should stop pursuing the heart of God. Can I hear an amen? If you don't have the heart of God, you need to pursue the heart of God. Can somebody wave your hand and say, I want to pursue the heart of God? I want to run after God. I want to pursue Him with everything that I got. You may not do everything perfect. It's not what you anticipated. It's not what you expect. But you've got to pursue God with everything. You've got to have a heart after God. Is there anybody in the building that can wave your hand and say, Preacher, I want a heart after God. I want a heart after God. I don't always have the heart of God. But I want to have a heart after God. You see, God doesn't always use... He doesn't use people... He, He doesn't use people he can't trust, but he does use imperfect people. He does use imperfect people. He does use imperfect. And let me tell you something. Sometimes we get discouraged and we don't think it's what we anticipated. We don't think what it's expect. You know, we're waiting for God to come down with a lightning bolt and make us perfect so we can do our calling and walk in our calling. That's not going to happen. You've got to learn to be faithful in God during what I call the God gap. Everybody shout the God gap. The God gap. The God gap. Everybody shout the God gap. You know what the God gap is? The God gap is what you are doing and what you can be doing. It don't match. So what you're doing right now and what you have the potential to do, it don't match. It's In other words, the practice or the potential. What you are practicing now doesn't match the potential that you have in the future. And so it's called the gap, the God gap. And some of us get really discouraged. You know why we get discouraged? We get discouraged because we think we have all this potential and we think that we have all this gifts and callings that God has placed on our life and yet we're serving as an usher. And there's nothing wrong with serving as an usher. Or we got this wonderful voice that we can sing to the world and yet we can't pick up the trash on the floor. Or we're cleaning the bathrooms and you're called to preach. 
Now, Lord, I'm called to preach and pastor, and I'm up here cleaning the bathrooms. That don't make sense. It's called the God gap. The God gap is what you're doing right now may not match the potential that's on the inside of you. But you've got to learn to be faithful in the God gap. Because if you're not faithful in the God gap, you will be isolated and still elevated. God will never elevate you if you're not faithful in the God gap. Somebody say amen. Now how do I know that? Get this. Get this. Don't Everybody please look up here. Get this. David was anointed as king as a little boy. He had the ability of a king. But his responsibility was to tend to the sheep. His ability versus his responsibility. He had the ability to become a king. But he was tending sheep at his father's house. It's the God gap. I know I can be king. I'm anointed to be king. But why am I tending sheep when I know I can become king? Because God was trying to teach David, you've got to be faithful with the sheep before I put you on the throne. And even though you have the ability, even though you're called to be king, even though you're anointed to be king, you've got to learn that you've got your training to reign. You've got to learn to be faithful with the sheep before I promote you to the throne. You've got to learn how to pick up the garbage first before I give you a microphone to preach. You've got to be learned to be faithful with the God. He ain't going to give you thousands of dollars if you don't know how to be faithful with the thousand dollars He's given you. He ain't going to give you a new car if the car you have looks like junk. You've got to learn how to take care of what you got. You've got to learn to be faithful with what you got before He will ever promote you. You may have the ability. You may have the ability to preach to thousands. You can get up here and move the crowd. I'll tell you, God won't God do that. And you can really get people excited, but you're nasty in the foyer and your attitude stinks. You've got the talent, but you don't got the character. And God says, what I want to do in the God gap is I want your character to be developed so that when you get to the throne... Come on, somebody. You are walking in the fruits of the Spirit. You have love and gentleness and peace with the talent. And that's why people leave church. I'm leaving. I ain't going to that church. They ain't going to let me sing. They ain't going to let me preach. Because they're not faithful with the God gap. And that's why people run around for years been to 50 churches all their lives because God has never called you to be potted. He's called you to be planted. And the reason people do that is because they're rebellious and have an unsubmissive spirit and God can never do anything in their life because they think they can do it better. It is God that promotes, not pastor that promotes. God promotes. God elevates. God does it. God does it. Or can you be... Listen, listen, Pastor. Listen, I'm almost done. That's why immature people have to always stay in a crisis in order for them to be committed. It's what psychologists call functional bondage. 
They always, they're always in some sort of functional bondage. They're functioning. But they're always in a crisis. There's always drama. They're always coming to church begging God to help them. But they have to stay in a crisis or they would never be committed to God. Can, how high can God take you without losing you? Can God give you a new boat and you still be faithful to church? Can God give you a, a pay raise and you still tithe? Could God give you a promotion and you give glory to God and not take it for yourself? How high can God take you without losing you? Or do you always have to stay in some sort of drama to be faithful to God? Do you always have to be up under pressure for you to pray? Or can you pray when things are doing really well in your life? Do you have to have pressure in order for you to pray? Do you have to be in crisis for you to be committed? Can you be committed when things are okay in your life? You say, well, pastor, that's so simple. The children of Israel didn't learn it. The children of Israel were blessed and prosperous. And the book of Deuteronomy, Moses said, Moses said, don't forget God when you are brought into the land flowing with milk and honey, make sure you put a memorial here and a memorial here and a memorial here so you can tell your children's children that I was the one that brought you out. Don't you forget me when in the midst of your prosperity. Don't you forget me. It's amazing. People come to church and we'll help them and give them groceries and help them with the rent money and then leave when they get a pay raise. You know what David said? David said in Psalms 23, he says, I, the last verse of Psalm 23, I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord in the good times and the bad times. God doesn't have to put me in pressure for me to pray. I'm mature enough to pray without pressure. God doesn't have to reduce my pay to get a hold of my... God doesn't have to cut my hair so I realize where my strength comes from, Samson. Sometimes God has to cut our spiritual hair to wake us up and realize that your job is really not your source. He has to cut your hair to realize that boat of yours is really not all that. He has to cut your hair to real, for you to wake up and realize that those things are not your strength. Your strength comes from the Lord. That's why David said, the Lord God is my strength and the light of my salvation. You see, are you going to move on with God? Are you going to move on with God? David had the ability of a king, but the responsibility of a shepherd. I am going to be faithful to God in the God gap so that God can mold me, make me, shape me into the person that God's called me to be. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying God's plan is to move you. Listen, listen to me. God's plan. God is a missional God. God is not a machine God. God is not a monument. God is a movement. We worship moments, but God is saying, listen, I, don't, I didn't call you to stay in a moment. I've called you to get in a movement. God is calling you to go. 
The first two letters of the word God is go. You are called to be on a progressional journey with God. You are called to grow. You are called to develop. You should have a greater hunger and desire for God this year than you had last year. You should be reading the Bible more this year than you did last year. You should be giving more this year than you did last year. You should not be stuck in Saul. You shouldn't be stuck in the past. You should be progressing forward, moving with all of your heart, with all of your mind. Don't get stuck. Get up and move. Get up and move. Forgive us for this passive Christianity. This weak need, barely making it. You know, forgive us God. He's called us to be an army, a mighty army, strong, vibrant, glorious church, strong. Greater is he that's in you, he that is in the world. You're called to move, number one. You've got to move even when you don't have closure. You've got to move even when you don't got details. You've got to realize that he uses imperfect people. Go on. Let God do what He wants to do in your life. Genesis 41, 51. Genesis 41, verse 51. Joseph went through hell. Sold into slavery. His brother sold him into slavery. But at the end of Joseph's, or towards the end of Joseph's life, you know, there's a story recorded of Joseph's children. And one of, the, one of his, his child's name is Manasseh. And Joseph said, God has caused me to forget all of my pain. You see, listen to me. Joseph understood something. Joseph had the ability to become the second person in charge. But Joseph's responsibility was to be faithful in the pit. The God gap. And guess what happened? Even though Joseph was talented and good looking and God destined him to be the second person in charge of Egypt, Joseph decided that even though he had the ability to be the second person in charge, his responsibility was to be faithful in the pit. And if you could be faithful in the God gap, God will reward you at the end and you'll be like Joseph, that God has made me forget all of the mess that I've ever went through. Be faithful with the God gap. Be faithful. Walk out your responsibility. Ability versus responsibility. Practice versus potential. What I'm doing don't match what I could be doing. But I've decided that I'm going to be like a tree planted by rivers of living water. Decided I have a spirit of endurance. Immovable, unshakable. Decided that I'm faithful and I'm strong. No matter what comes my way, I've made, a, made up my mind that I'm going to be faithful in the God gap. Did you learn from the Word today? 